Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. help but feel that I just thrive here in the Lower East Side. Why is that? Just the vibe of everything. I mean, it's so artsy and bohemian. And look at all the different things that exist. I mean, eclectic restaurants, small theaters, record shops, crystal stores, witch shops. Oh, and so far, tons of psychics. Speaking of which, how would you feel if we ducked into one and had a reading? It's really not for me. Oh, come on. Don't you want to know what your future holds? Nah. I mean, if I find out now, I'll just grow bored of it and leave it for another another life. I don't think that joke works there. Besides, if Whoopi Goldberg isn't telling my fortune, I don't want to have it done at all. Well, then I guess we aren't having our fortunes told. Sorry. Welcome to Stage Whisper. I'm your host, Hope Bird, and with me is my co-host, Andrew Cortez. Today we are going to be discussing the mesmerizing show, Ghost the Musical. So hurry and take your seats. It looks like the show is starting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's performance of Stage Whisper. Can you hear that? It sounds like the unchained melody. And we know that you are wanting us to say those three little words. But for now, you'll just have to settle for one. Ditto. And one word, which is the title of today's musical we are discussing, which is Ghost. Ghost crossed the sea from London and landed on Broadway, where it odd and wooed audiences with its familiar and heartbreaking tale. Of course, though, first we must go back to where it all began. Based on the hit 1990s romantic fantasy thriller film of the same name, the musical had its world premiere at the Manchester Opera House in Manchester in March of 2011. The production began previews at the Piccadilly Theatre in the West End on the 24th of June 2011, with an opening night gala on the 19th of June. The production closed on the 6th of October, 2012. The production would transfer to Broadway in the spring of 2012. This is a perfect time to introduce our design team. Book and lyrics by Bruce Joel Rubin. Music and lyrics by Dave Stewart and Glenn Ballard. Director, Matthew Warkus. Choreographer, Ashley Wallen. Set design, Rob Howell. Lighting designer, Hugh Van Stone. Sound design, Bobby Aitken. Illusionist, Paul Keeve. Video and production design by John Driscoll. And hair, wig, and makeup, makeup design by Campbell Young and Associates. The show would arrive at the Lundfontein Theater on April 23rd, 2012 
and would play 136 performances, closing on August 18th of that same year. The show would be nominated for three Tony Awards that year. Best Lighting Design of a Musical, Best Scenic Design of a Musical, and Best Featured Actress in a Musical for Divine Joy Randolph, who played Oda Mae Brown. So, let's cross over into our story. starts when Sam Wheat and his longtime girlfriend Molly Jensen move into a loft apartment in Brooklyn together. Sam is a banker, Molly a sculptor, and their friend Carl Bruner is introduced as one of Sam's co-workers who comes to help them settle in. The three of them seem to be a tight-knit group with Sam and Molly very much in love. However, Sam clearly shies away from the word love, which makes Molly visibly uncomfortable. She starts to say something about it, but soon stops herself, and Sam distracts her with a rendition of Unchained Melody, leaving her insecurities temporarily forgotten. At work, Sam notices some discrepancies with several accounts and is unwilling to let them go, despite the fact that he has a date with Molly that evening. He confides in Carl with his discovery, and his friend not only agrees to help the findings, or keep the findings a secret, but promises to investigate it himself so that Sam can keep his date. Thanking him, Sam leaves and meets up with Molly, who confesses that she wants to marry him. Sam is taken aback, and Molly suddenly asks why he never tells her that he loves her. He assures Molly that he doesn't say it in so many words because he prefers to say it through his actions. Molly tells him that she'd still like to hear it every now and again but his reply reassures her nonetheless. They're soon approached by an armed man that tries to steal Sam's wallet. Sam fights back instead of surrendering, and the two struggle for a gun. It goes off, and Sam is fatally shot, leaving Molly to cry out for help. Instead of moving on, however, Sam becomes a ghost, and he stays behind with Molly instead of following the light. Unable to leave Molly, he follows her to the hospital, and another ghost explains what he's become. A trapped Sam struggles to reach out to Molly. Back at the apartment, Carl helps Molly clear out some of Sam's old things. Clearly, she's hesitant to let go, totally unbeknownst to the fact that Sam is very close by, unable to move on himself. When she's alone... The man that killed Sam sneaks in and begins to ransack the place while Molly is upstairs, forcing Sam into a panic that he'll hurt her too. Sam manages to spook the man and he flees. Needing to know who he is, Sam pushes himself through the front door with great effort and follows the man all the way back to his own apartment. He finds out that the man's name is Willie Lopez and that he'd eventually go back for what he was looking for. Desperate, Sam then seeks out a psychic, Otome Brown, who seems to be a total fraud. By some miracle, she actually hears Sam, and he convinces her to go talk to Molly on his behalf by singing 10,000 bottles of beer on the wall obnoxiously. In the meantime, Molly is grieving and not taking the loss very well. She gets a visit from Otome, but Molly is hesitant to believe until Otome starts parroting things that only Sam would know. Eventually, she comes around and agrees to listen. 
Through Otome, Sam tells her that he was set up, murdered, and that she needs to go to the police. Otome bails as soon as she hears the words, police and murder. Molly takes the information to Carl, who tells her that it's crazy, but promises to check it out. She goes to the police anyway. Carl goes straight to Willie's place, where a distraught Sam discovers the truth. The murder was at Carl's error. As Molly swears to suspend all disbelief, a drunken Carl wanders the streets trying to convince himself that Sam's death was not his fault, and all three end the act with an emotional crescendo of music. Act two starts at the police station, and it's revealed that Otome has quite the criminal record. Shaken, Molly leaves there with the knowledge that the psychic is a fraud, and she loses hope, much to Sam's dismay. Molly, in her anger, sits down to do some pottery at the radio as the radio plays. Static is heard, and Molly gets up to change the station. As she turns the dial, unchained melody is suddenly heard. Molly quickly turns off the radio in shock. After a moment, she turns it back on and slowly returns to her pottery. Sam, who is watching, approaches her from behind, singing along, longing for her touch. Just as Molly begins to get frustrated, she starts to lean back as if she can feel Sam there. Then there is a knock on the door. It's Carl. Molly tells Carl that he was right. The whole thing was crazy and that she was just grasping at straws. He assures her that it's only natural, but she has to move on and he even makes a poorly received move on her. Enraged, Sam manages to break something and a flustered Molly asks Carl to leave. With the help of another ghost on the subway, Sam learns how to move objects and returns to Otome's place to enlist her help once more. Suddenly, Otome is a legitimate psychic with the ability to call on other spirits instead of resorting to fraud. While Sam is there, Willie Lopez finds her and she has to run for her life. Sam uses his newfound abilities to spook him and chase him away, but Willie runs into traffic and dies. Unlike Sam, he is not offered a white light, but it's implied that he's dragged somewhere completely different. However, Sam knows that it isn't over, and he begs Otome to help him stop Carl from getting to the money in order to protect Molly. We then see Molly trying to get her life together and move on. It's seen that she's selling pieces at her gallery and she apologizes to Carl for pushing him away. Carl, meanwhile, is anxiously awaiting a call and waves her off under the guise of having a busy day. Together, Sam and Oname break into the account that Carl was extorting. Sam feeding her account numbers and information while she possesses, or sorry, poses as Rita Miller. The account is closed and Sam goes to find Carl in his office in a panic. Moving objects around the room, Sam scares Carl, moving objects around again and making it clear that he knows what really happened. Scared, Carl tells Sam that he'll kill Molly if he doesn't leave him alone and get him the money. However, Sam runs back to Otome. When she's handed a check for around $4 million, Otome tries to take the money and leave the situation for good, but Sam convinces her to donate the money. Sam then takes her to go see Molly again in order to warn her about Carl. At the apartment, Molly tries to send her away at first, 
but Sam is able to walk through the door and tell Otome the significance of the earrings Molly is wearing, as well as read a letter for Sam uh, that Molly has inside the apartment. After Otome repeats these things, Molly is able to believe again, and she lets the psychic in. She explains everything to Molly, who is clearly emotionally distraught, and Otome even lets Sam use her body to hold Molly and comfort her. Carl comes into the apartment, armed and frightened for his own life. He owes dangerous drug dealers money, and he's desperate. Even though it's clear that he doesn't want to resort to such measures, Carl grabs Molly and holds his gun to her, telling Sam that if he doesn't have Otome tell him where the money is, he's going to kill her. There's a struggle, and Carl is killed, and he's dragged away by the, in the same way that Willie was. Now that Carl is gone and Molly is safe, the light returns for Sam, and Molly is able to see and hear him. Knowing that it's time for him to go, Sam says goodbye to Otome and regretfully turns to Molly. They're able to say their goodbyes, and Sam finally telling Molly that he loves her in the way that she wants to hear. The, the end. end. Let's talk about the parts we uh, liked and maybe didn't like. Oh, my love. You know, they can't see the dance. so they're... My darling. <laughs> it sounds like you're um, struggling. I'll hold Like, come on. Who, who doesn't love this, like, classic tale, this movie and the song and everything? I mean, it really is just a nice, like... Sad, but sweet, cheesy. 90s tale. So overall, I thought this was a decent show. I did. Um, I I, I think my favorite thing about the show was the spectacle and the music. Interesting. I mean, the music was decent. The more I listened to it, even like, especially now, the more I'm like, I can appreciate it. But in the moment, I was like, hmm. There were some really great numbers, but there were a few that I was like, eh. I mean, not every not every song was a bop, but like, there were some really good songs in there. Um, this is the life. That second number, or no, it's more, I, more. more. Yeah. Well, again, now we talk about music, but you're right. The spectacle was incredible. Um, this was, um, ten years ago. Yeah. So I mean, the stuff that they were doing ten years ago with the technology then was amazing. Um. The book was decent. It, like, it could have been better, but it was... I mean, considering they had to, like, modernize it from a 1990s... I don't know. The film, I think the story stands on its own, is my thing. Like, it is a classic film. Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg, like... If you're going to do that story, you're going to do that story. I don't think there's a need for modernization. You can't distance yourself from that that legendary source material. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, I don't mean modernization as in, like, changing the script to be like, oh, computers and stuff like no, that. No, I... No, no, no. I think there's, like, a certain way that we wrote rom-coms back then. Okay, okay. The and, language and the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah and I the understand. the way we say things has just... They, 
updated it a little bit so it was less stuck in the 90s. Because let's be fair, the 90s, we definitely made choices and committed to them. This was a show that I just... Like, the character of Carl maybe was just a little over-present for me. I don't know. Like, we, we mentioned in the synopsis he makes a really terrible pass at her. Like, it was a really terrible pass. Yeah. Like, I was like, either that's directed terribly or that's really written poorly. Um, the 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 flow of the show because of the book, did, it wasn't smooth. It didn't rise and fall smoothly. It was more jagged. More like I, a film. No, not even like a film, but just when I say jagged, like, it, it, I mean, think steep up, steep down, steep up. And the problem mm-hmm. with that is it's just not connected. Mm-hmm. There isn't a general flow where it's like shifting gears and you don't know how to drive a manual. Um, so there were just instances that I was like, this this dialogue, this, this bit of scene work doesn't, it isn't working for me. There's something off. And the only thing I can come up with is I was like, the book just, there's something that's not either believable or in the big picture of things, this isn't working. Hmm. Why are we saying what we're saying? I think every element of a show is very important. It's, all, it's like spices in a, in a, in a baked good or, or dinner. You know, you don't want too much, but you also don't want too little. And everything has to work together. And we've seen shows where if the book just had a little bit more tweaking, everything would just lock into place and it'd be brilliant. And this is one for me that I was like, there were just certain moments that I was like, hmm. Okay. Um, but with that, all the classic moments from the film were there, which if you'd see, if you have seen the film, you were over the moon about all those great moments when Ona May, like, here's Sam for the first time, you know, the pottery scene with the the two, pottery scene, you know, all of that stuff, that's all there, which is great. And I will say with, with more and more films being adapted for the stage, the great thing is, um, they weren't forced. They did feel organic. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have the, well, everyone knows this moment from the movie and we have to fit it in. And well, no, it, it did happen like it was supposed to. Yeah. Which was really great. Um, I, this is a show that I felt like you didn't see to like be changed. No, but and, I will say this show made me cry. And I don't know if it's just the story or the tone of the... Music or, oh my gosh, the actress who played Molly. Cassie Levy. Oh my God. She is such a beautiful singer and such a beautiful actress that it, that it's, it's during the, that three, the three overlapping, um, arias at the end. I had a life. Oh my God. But it's also, I had a life suspend my disbelief. Yep. Yeah. That whole section there. I was in tears and I was moved. Well, I think that we should let our listeners know one important thing here that I remember from that. You have never seen the movie prior to that. Mm-hmm. So this was your first introduction to Ghost. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, we'll talk more about that, but, but the fact that this was your introduction makes so much more sense with your reactions. And yeah. I'm not saying that that should be a, take, a negative about the show or anything like that, but we had two different interpretations because we were having two different experiences. I already knew the story and everything of, you know, this tale. Mm -hmm. You didn't. So I knew what was coming the entire time. I knew how the story ends and you were just like, I don't know what's going to happen next. What? So, Mm -hmm. well, why don't we uh, compartmentalize some stuff, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. 
What do you want to start with? Let's go into sets because um, I believe they had to restructure um, the set at the Lunt Fontaine um, to bring in some of the um, magical elements. What do you mean by restructure the set? Um, I thought I read an article that they had to like um, restructure like the building, like the stage area. The itself. stage, not the set. Sorry, oh, I'm, I'm at the st- <laughs> I'm at the stage area. That's the, what I was confused. I'm like, what's the big deal about restructuring the set? They had to restructure. The, they had to rebuild or something with the stage. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that. I don't. I should have did more research on. It. I remember the re- reading the article at the time that they had to do new stuff that the theater hadn't done before. Um, they got some newer, like, new technologies that they didn't have before that ended up staying as part of the theater. Probably projections and whatnot, I would imagine, considering yeah, the was... shows that we've seen since there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and, and, and I will say the set was brilliant and inventive. Um, this was a first in, that I can remember in that... Um, basically there were three walls surrounding the set that they used to project stuff on. Mm-hmm. But then, I mean, there was there was other set elements within, you know, when they were in the apartment or in the mm-hmm. bank. Or well, and they had those flats that were LED, like, projected screens that would move around. Yes, and the illusions and the projections that were used were phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. I still do not understand. I, I want to know, how does he walk through doors? Yeah, the walking through doors part. Um, also, like when they're throwing stuff on the subway, the subway scene was really cool because they did have that racing subway cars behind them. Yeah, the, um, the spectacle really is one of the best selling points of the show because I haven't seen such a spectacle show until we get to Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. When the game is over and I'm like, okay, well... Good luck beating that. But mm-hmm. with this, I was like, "How are you throwing things like that? How are you? How are you walking through walls? How is this happening? Uh, and 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 someone's opening that door, but you just walked through it. How? How is this possible? Mm-hmm. And you don't know if it's a projection or a person or what it. And and it mm-hmm. was. It, or like when the dark entity just like snatches Willie or Carl. Yeah. And they get pulled into it and you actually see them physically like move backward. And they're which, getting pulled by something. Yeah, and they're actually moving backward, which if you know how, you know, stages work, everything's on a on rail system. No, a rail system oh. that goes from one side of the stage to the other and you can't cross over those things. So how are they you know, the movement usually goes like left to right or right to left. Stage up, stage right, not down, stage up, stage. Exactly. So moving the other direction, it suspended in the air was like, what's happening? How is that happening? Yes. it. The set was really impressive. Really impressive. Um, and I think we could just become repetitive about it and, and point out other scenes. But let's let's keep this moving. Let's keep on the truck. And- yeah, let's move into the costumes because the costumes for this show is, is like... They are like modern clothing, for the most part. Yeah. Yes. Um, the I, I would say that they're still ref- okay. They're great costumes and they're very reflective of the the original film. Mm-hmm. Because it still suits. You're still doing the banker thing. I think the only person who maybe got updated was Oda May, but she's mm-hmm. still um, colorful and eclectic and whatnot. But somehow brought. In, in, into the into the now. Okay. 
if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Carl and Sam still, I mean, I, I would assume, because I'm not a costume designer or a fashionista by any means, but I'm sure the suits were actually tailored for today's look versus what it would look like in the 1990s. But still, it's yeah. a suit. And everyone around them is in suits, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Molly's, Molly was in, I'll say, modern clothes for today, but they were still kind of similar to the 90s. It, there wasn't like picturesque, I mean, I guess the jeans, now that I look, think about the movie, because they were the high-waist jeans, but even in 2012, I mean, those high-waist jeans were still there. Mm-hmm. So. Tying, you know, clothes around your waist, like, but, that was still normal. But that being said, um, like, these were iconic looks, you know. Um, these costumes were iconic costumes. The brown suit for Carl. Okay. The blue shirt for Sam. And particularly the wife beater. I don't. On Sam. I hadn't seen the movie, so I wouldn't know. I know. Patrick Swayze <laughs> and a wife beater, man. Like, you got to get on to it. You know, these, these were iconic looks that they brought in very well. So, I thought the costuming was great. Um, one of the most impressive costumes was the... All the umbrellas in the black, and it was like a sparkly black suit. Oh, yes, for the more... You me, I'll follow. Dun, 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 don't ever let me down. I think it's the opening of Act 2. Hmm. After she gets dismissed by the police. I thought that was part of the more scene, but... No, 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 no. It's, they're all there, and, and they're all in black, and it's raining, and, and Molly's out there, like, not in an umbrella and just crying. And Okay. Yeah. Anywho, um, but yeah, so the costumes for me were, they were great. Um, the one thing I also say about those black costumes is they did remind me of the Eurythmics, which is funny because the people who wrote the music are a part of the Eurythmics. Oh, okay. Which also explains a lot about the music. Yeah. So, but I, I just had that moment where I was like, you gotta look like you're part of a Eurythmics music video. That's clever. Like a little Easter egg, I guess. So, um, speaking of Easter eggs and brilliant, why don't we go to lighting? Yes, I think the lighting really helps to make this show. Um, okay. Because it, I mean, it had all the right kind of like levels of highs and lows as far as what you'd expect from happy moments, sad moments, being able to let us know when we were in a ghostly world or when we were not in a ghostly world. and That was one thing that was really impressive to me is the fact that when Sam has passed... He, the way he's lit in that white light and it's isolated, it's just on him and it doesn't bleed. It's, it was so impressive. Everybody else on stage, like the stage is lit, like you normally have a stage lit, but there's Sam lit in like clearly white light. And so he looks like a ghost, you mm -hmm. know? And it was so impressive. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened on the subway scene. Yeah. And it would follow them and, and I wonder... I would well, love to know from someone who worked on the show or not, was it lighting or was it projection? Mm -hmm. Because of just how well that was, how well it was lit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, because like when we're, they did it, talking about talking about a miracle, and they had all the different ghosts, all the ghosts had that like Light. iridescent feel to them, which was beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. And, and, and it complemented the projection so well. Mm -hmm. So well. Um... It, yeah, it, it was, 
I'm still really baffled by how well they did. I want to know what the secret is or how it's done. Um, like I said, I keep harping on the 10 years ago thing, but like looking at how far technology, particularly with lighting and projection, has come in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. And I am not a lighting artist or a projections artist, but I just, I, I, I can just speak on what I've seen, you know? And the technology has vastly changed and improved. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, like, how? how? I, I can't pick it apart. I don't know. Same. I don't know uh, either. The dumb person me is just like, well, they just cast a white light on him. But I'm like, no, but there's something else more. and Because it follows him all around and it's not a spot. It can't be a spot. Because right. there's no flood and it's not a like a hyper-focused spot because it's like... There's not like a sh- and there wasn't a shadow was the other thing. Yes, there wasn't a shadow from it. That was the thing that like I kept walking because I already knew the story. So I'm like sitting there watching. I'm like, homeboy doesn't have a shadow. How everybody else had shadows, he didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how? So anybody out there who's who's a lighting person, if you can explain that to us, that would be amazing. Um, and I also just like the palette that they used to. De- depict the different moments you know you had these whites and grays that depict the spirit world mm-hmm. but then you had these and, and these beautiful blues and purples for morning and the rain scene and that you know mm-hmm. um it really this was this was a really good reflection of what was happening inside yes it was it was it was what is the word uh externalizing the internal or whatever mm-hmm so I thought that was just really beautiful and, and, and a great job of paying attention to that, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think definitely, um, I mean, since we've already been touching on it, um, direction, you know, talking about how we're making the the emotion of the, the script and the emotion of what's happened, you know, come out. Because it's really easy to, for something like this to become very melodramatic because it's like, oh, my boyfriend died and... Da, 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 da. So be so to be able to display grief like that, like new grief, um, I think takes a lot of work. Yes. Well, and I'm I, exactly I I. This could have been a this could have been a flat pancake, like mm-hmm. it could have been a, another teen drama kind of thing. But the one thing, like I'll mention, I'll say right off the bat is. Um, I mentioned it when we talked about the book. Some things for me just didn't click. There were moments that I went, well, what? Why? For instance, though the subway scene was cool, why did he learn there what to do there and not in the hospital? When the first ghost he met that was like, you got to learn to move. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's already been told what needs to happen in the hospital, but yet he has to have it done again on the subway. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was a new thing. From the movie, and I was like, I, "See, this is one of those. This doesn't click. Why are we we're, we're re- revisiting?" Um, though the umbrella scene was beautiful, it also felt a little forced. What do and you mean by forced? It, if I'm remembering it at the right moment, that number where she walks out of the police station and she's just having this this hard moment. You lead me. I will follow. Da, 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 don't ever leave me down. Anyway, um, it was just like another like we're mourning again. Mm-hmm. 
Like, uh, again. Like, why are we... But it was a more elaborate morning this time. And I'm like, this should have been back when he first. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it now? Mm-hmm. Well, but I also think some of that has to do with the different stages of grief and how people process. Sometimes the first time you grieve... I mean, grief is a lifelong process once it started. Yes, but and she so, was coming out of the police station just well, finding out she, that Oda May is a fraud, and that's when we have this like elaborate costume and dance summer, and I'm like, why? But it's why? because she, ha- she was given hope and then had it ripped away from her. At least the first time he died, there wasn't anyone going, but... So, you know... It, I And I can understand, but again, to me, this was just like... Um, slightly following the musical theater um, recipe guide that, you know, Act 2 has to have a bigger number to start with. And I get that. So that's one of the ones I was like, oh, well. Um, But, like, as I went through and I tried to remember more, like, there were, like I said, there were just a couple moments that I was like, these just didn't, it didn't click. I didn't say it, like, altogether didn't work. It's just minor little things and I and I don't want it to come off like I'm sitting there going, oh, it was terrible. Oh, you know they used the salad fork instead of the regular fork. Oh, no, it was just like uh, I'm I'm being hyper scrutiny right now. You know, mm-hmm. these little minor things went. Mm. Um, and then despite some of the holes in the story, the communication of the story, like the overall effect of the show was there, and whether you'd seen it or not. Eh, eh, like, you were moved and you felt the effect of the show. You went on a journey with these characters. Because there were just a couple of loose holes there. But it's that's what's going to happen when you transfer a movie to a musical. There's some things that you can't transfer from screen to stage and, and, and likewise back the other way. So there were a couple of moments I went, oh, I wish it was there. But I'm like, how do you do it? It's I think that's something that always has to be on the screen. Mm-hmm. You know? But... We created new experiences for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the best things. Um, you know, having the, the two girls who accompanied Otome Brown as like the Greek chorus kind of thing, that mm-hmm. just made that scene so much more funnier. Okay. The gospel choir almost. I was like, gospel choir, yes. Greek chorus, no. Yeah, sorry, gospel choir. So I, I you haven't seen the film, so I was like, you got to go on. We both went on a, the same journey as you... As, as it were, together. Mm-hmm. We went on the same journey and we went with those characters the same way. Mm-hmm. We saw those characters grow. The, you know, they delivered the right thing then. Yeah. You know, we, we both can understand the journey they went on and agree upon that. It wasn't like we're like, well, see, I think that Molly actually was happy that Sam... No, there was no, like, weird interpretation like that. Yeah. Um, I thought the energy and the pacing overall was good. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I... I really enjoyed this show. The fact, you know, when Molly is singing Suspend My Disbelief, um, just the way that her voice, the acting, and the way that the song goes, it is just such a beautiful moment that sticks with me in almost everything I do. So um, I think that it's, you know, that's a pretty amazing thing for for a production to do. Yeah. And I love how... I love how much you enjoyed it. I love how much when you talk about it, you're just like, oh, and I just remember, uh, and then, uh, and I'm like, see, mark of a good show. The last thing I want to talk about is the choreography. The choreography. Choreography. Um, 
for the most part, the choreography was really, really good. Um, it was said that, uh, well, at times it did feel a little forced and fantastical, which was a little disconnected from the moment in the story. What I mean by that is... The movement didn't need to be there. So, like, their interpretation of New York in the song more mm -hmm. was a little almost robotic and chaotic in a way. And I get the craziness they're trying to, and the energy they're trying to capture in it. But that it wasn't New what York. the show song. or song was about. Right. It, it was a, There was a little bit of a disconnect. And I was like, make sure what you're saying with both your words and with your movements are matching unless that's supposed to be a disconnect. Mm -hmm. And again, I go back to the umbrella scene, which was a little robotic and almost dystopian looking mm -hmm. the, the aura of it. And I when was, it could have been this very beautiful flowy yeah, ballet. Exactly. And, and so it was like, mm, I know the show is already fantastic and fantastical, but Mm, they're, they're just moments. Um, I love the number I'm out of here. I love the number I'm out of here. That okay. was that was by far probably one of my favorite numbers. She's got the check. Uh -huh. And I'm out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> and every, I mean, it was just fun. Mm -hmm. I think there, if I remember, there was like a conga line and everything in there. I was just like, yes. I, w I was with Oda Man. I was like, you get out of here. You've done your part. And then, of course, Sam shows up. you got to donate the money, you know. Um, but I thought over... I mean, the choreography, like I said, it was good. Don't misunderstand. I'm being very picky. I am picking things apart like it's my job. This was not a show that you had a, that. This was a show that we really had to dig into to be like, well, here were a couple things that we were... But, like, we had to dig mm -hmm. to find them. Overall, this was a good show. Yeah, and I know that sounds crazy to say because it's Ghost, but like... And it only played 136 performances, so you just look at the numbers and you're like, well, it must not have been good. I'm just thinking it was the wrong time. Yeah. That, well, that and especially, season. what else was it up against? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it was a big summer for a lot of other shows. It just, mm -hmm. it kind of got swallowed up, but it was a good, good show. The show has had several notable performers, including Cassie Levy... Sharon DeClark and Bryce Pinkman. the show has had in the theater and its history so we'll start with theatrical impact and i've got three i want to throw out there okay um bacon lettuce and tomato chicken salad and tuna oh wait sorry that's my lunch order um uh it contributed new special effects to the theater yes they were effects that we we had not seen incorporated into a show exactly uh new technology into the theater mm -hmm. and it raised the standard of lighting and set design Yes. And I believe projections gets rolled in with lighting or set, one of the two. Yeah. You know? um, and I think that's the biggest theatrical impact that it's had. I can believe it. You know, I, I don't think... 
outside of that, I didn't think like they broke new ground with music or story or anything like that. But I definitely think when it comes to theatrical technology, this show really ushered in a new a new era mm-hmm. of 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 all of that. And I mean, I'm just thinking about all the shows that I've seen or we've seen this year and some of the stuff, the elements that have carried over. Mm-hmm. You know, how many shows are using a lot more projections for their sets now? You know, how many shows are using much more? I mean, think about company with all that isolated light mm-hmm. and whatnot. You know, it's... I'm not saying it started with Ghost. I'm sure there's other shows or designers that started, but this is the first time I saw it. Yeah. Well, and to see the three of those things together. Yes. And realize how well they all do really play together and how important it is as a uh, a creative team to be on the same page about those three elements together. Yes. I mean, I think that's, that's yeah. it for theatrical. No, I, I definitely think so. Um, as far as societal impact, I mean, I don't think this show really changed society. Well, it brought didn't a, make an impact on society. It brought a cult classic to the stage, which brought a drove of fans... Who like a fans of the show to the theater? To me, that's the only societal impact it had. Yeah, I mean, really, it didn't. It didn't change a lot of society, and nor did it need to. It definitely was entertaining. No, yeah, it, it, exactly. I, but it wasn't. It you know, it wasn't hugely impactful for society. But that's okay. Every show doesn't have to be. Well, exactly, and I I just think that this was a, a very entertaining show. Dare I say nostalgic, because for those of us that grew up with this movie or um, were just familiar with it, we went to go just get all those feels that we felt the first time we saw the film. We didn't go to hear something new, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the final question we must ask ourselves, is the show still relevant? I don't think as far as playing on Broadway, yeah, I'm yeah, this show is relevant. Um, I think that this is a great show for... Um, colleges to do um, because it provides a lot of characters that are all about the same age Mm -hmm. Um, so it can be really good for collegiate because they can I mean there's a lot that can be done with it Mm -hmm. Um, I think it could be good for community I think the effects are too much for community but that's me no I could see that too regional is good and even touring I mean a community theater that has a good budget yeah 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 because the show is expensive, and I feel like to do it justice, you need to be able to pay the people that can figure out the hard... Um, the illusions and stuff. Yeah, you need to be able to pay them for their talent and stuff. Yes. So I don't think you should do this show if you can't afford to pay someone good. Well, if you can't do the, if you can't do the part of the production, you can't do the show. Yeah. I just, I'm with you. I, I think there are more important stories to be told right now. And... and and, and they're being told on Broadway there's more to become, more to become, more to come. But I just don't see this show really having a place right now on Broadway or anytime soon. Finally, as promised, we wanted to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing this show. So we had the good fortune of seeing the show back uh, once, only once in 2012. 
Um, and we've mentioned most of our memories already, but I mean, obviously the, the first thing we should mention is this is the first time you ever saw, heard, learned about the story Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember at intermission, you, with tears in your eyes, grabbing my arm and just going, you are never allowed to die. <laughs> and right. I, that's when I looked at you and I said, you've seen this, right? And she goes, no. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I'm like, wait till the end. Like, you know, and, and you were, you, you didn't let go of my arm the rest of the show and you were teary eyed mm-hmm. and, well, and it made you sad. Uh, and like, I will say, I'm not going to lie. I was really upset that you bought tickets to the show the first time because it's like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to waste my time with another movie musical. Like, I don't want to go to that. And then I went and oh my God, I fell in love. And I wasn't allowed to die. Exactly. I mean, the music is just so... The music is beautiful. And um, Bryce uh, Pinkman. Pinkman. Oh my gosh. He did such a beautiful job as Carl. Like, it really stuck with me. Which I know sounds really weird because um, Carl's a creep. I don't like Carl. He's not a very good guy. But the actor who played him did such a beautiful job fully realizing him and making him so skeevy yet slightly um, you wanted to care about him. Well, it's funny that he played that character and then the next show he's about to, he's going to do is A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Mm-hmm. So he goes from this like sleazy character Rough. to this fun comedic character. And I'm like... All right, you play it all. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful show. Yeah, oh, really and was. Cassie Levy's And we got voice. to meet Cassie Levy afterwards. Oh, my God, she is amazing. I believe that and was she's the so second beautiful. time we got to meet her, Memory Serves, because we had met her previously in Hair. Oh. She was Sheila. That's Was she Sheila? Mm-hmm. She was a protester from NYU. So, overall, this was... Uh, uh, I, I I really say a win. This was a good show, and and um, I had a good time, and I'm glad you had a good time too. So, theater is back, and that feels so good to say. And we hope that you can join us at a show sometime soon. You'll be able to catch Ghost at a theater near you, hopefully sometime soon. We also want to remind you that you can now become a producer and patron of the show by getting your Backstage Pass. Information about our new Backstage Pass can be found at patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Fox by Music for Wildlife. Other music on this episode provided by Yellow Cop, The Zombie Dandies, The Copy Cuts, Miss Darling, and Billy Murray. <laughs>